Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. I'm excited to bring you today part four of our Welcome Home series. And I really think, um, I'll say this, that I, I heard a long time ago that there's wow preachers and there's owl preachers. <laughs> I'm an owl preacher. I feel like Brittany's nodding her head. Yes, she's in agreement to that. And so I would say Pastor Brian is a wow preacher and I'm an owl preacher. And so, but I really believe that today's word is just going to, it can either challenge you or offend you. And I'm I'm hoping it's going to challenge you, right? And so I'm talking to all of you, like you are current dream team, like all of you are like in the field. And so are you ready? Are you excited? All right, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 24, and this has been like a verse I've been camped out in, Proverbs 24, 27, 30, and 31, and it says, put first things first, prepare your work outside, and get it ready for yourself in the field. Somebody say, in the field. And afterward, build your house. Did it say before or after? After, build your house and establish a home. Verse 30, I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And behold, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles were covering its face and its stone wall was broken down. Can I pray for you as we begin our time together? Jesus, we just thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I just ask that they hear my heart in this message. And that God, I just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I declare that every ear is open and receptive. Every heart is softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I thank you. Every person in this place is gonna be compelled to be in the field in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed it said, amen, amen. You know, we've been in this series, Welcome Home. And if you guys have missed out on it, basically what we're doing is we're talking about what we value as a church and our whole theme, our our whole declaration for this year is welcome home. That's why it's on our t-shirts. You'll see it on our worship guides. And it's not just a trendy saying that we just kind of come up with, like, what's a saying that will look good on a worship guide? But Brian and I really do spend time in prayer before God. And we say, God, what is the declaration you want over our house for this year? And so every year we roll out a new declaration. And this year we just felt in our spirits that the Lord was saying, welcome home. And so what we've been doing in this series is just talking about the things that we value as a church because this, whatever you value will determine what you focus on, treasure, and will set the direction for your life. Whatever you value in your personal lives will determine what you value, what you treasure, and the direction of your life. I can see what you value by looking at your checkbook. I can see what you value by looking at your calendar. I can see what you value by what you say yes to and what you say no to. And in that, it sets the course, the direction for your life. So in that, for us, it just says every house that you come into, everybody's house has different uh, things that they do in their house. Every house is different. I remember for us, uh, one of the things that we do in our house is we do gingerbread houses every year at Christmas time. Um, we love it. The kids all get their own house. We get our own house. And then we have like a competition where we decide who's the best house. And uh, so we decorate it with candies and with icing and all the fun stuff. And it literally stays out on our counters until almost Valentine's. And I have to convince my kids like, this is officially disgusting to have food out this long. Well, my nephew came over to our house one time and he saw the gingerbread houses out and he immediately immediately just started picking stuff off of them and started eating them. To which my son, he was a lot littler then, and he started crying and he goes, Ian, you're eating our memories. <laughs> and it made me laugh so 
because at Ian's house, the normal thing is to eat the gingerbread house. But at our house, we value the gingerbread house and we keep it as like an artifact of that year's Christmas memory, right? And we walk by it and we reminisce and all of that. But when he came into the house, he realized that there was a different set of values. There is a different thing we treasure. There's a different direction in this house. And so what we've been doing in this Welcome Home series is we're talking about at our house, this is what we value. At our house, this church, this is what we're about. We've talked about Jesus is our message. We talked about people are our heart. We talked about generosity is our privilege. Oh my goodness, didn't Brian do so good last week? And then we talked about number four today. We're talking about servant leadership is our identity. Servant leadership is our identity. You know, I I recently made the mistake of inviting some people over for dinner. And uh, I was like, we had some friends around. I'm like, hey guys, why don't y'all come over for dinner? It'll be great. They're like, can I bring anything? I'm like, no, don't worry about it. We'll just have sandwiches, you know, something small. But you guys, wives know that when you invite people over for dinner, it turns into this big ordeal really fast. Is anybody else like me? And now you start deep cleaning and you realize we need new furniture. And uh, the sandwiches turn into steaks from Costco. Come on, somebody. And then you're cleaning all night the night before. You're finding out how to make desserts when you've never cared about baking in your entire life. And now you're at baking till one o'clock in the morning. You're vacuuming. You're telling the kids, please pick everything up. We've got to make it look like we don't live here. Like get rid of everything. Put up your shoes. I know you've never had to put up your shoes, but today we act like we put up our shoes. And so we do all this and then they get there and we're like, praise the Lord. Amen. And we open the door. Like, we're so glad you're here. And, and they're there. They're like, can I help you? You're like, oh no, really just sit down. Like you're our guest. It's fine. And you're like, it's no big deal. I only got an hour of sleep to make this look great for you. But no, you really, you rest. It's good. And, and there to me, there was never any question. Like I was going to make their plates. And after they got done eating, we sat and visited and they just wanted to stay forever. Like they just kept talking and talking and and I'm thinking, great, because now I've got to stay up and do all the dishes and clean the stove and sweep again because you just trekked in from the front yard. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, man, they just want to stay all night. I think that I just think I need just to offer them a bed. And so finally they left and Brian got in there and cleaned with me. And I began to think about this, that in our saying of welcome home, we're making a dangerous declaration. Because in the saying of welcome home, when I invited people into my house, There was never any question who was going to cook for them. There was never any question who was going to clean up beforehand. There was never any question who was going to welcome them at the front door. There was never any question who was going to plate their food, who was going to prepare everything. There was never any question who was going to stay late after the party was over. Because with the invitation came a responsibility. And the responsibility was mine because I'm the one who invited them over. And with that, I assume the full responsibility of hosting them as my guest. And so I'm going to tell you as a church, when we begin to declare to people, welcome home, what we are saying is we take full responsibility with how welcome you feel, how prepared it is when you arrive. We are taking full responsibility that long after you have left and you're sitting at Denny's and you're having your best life, we're here loading trailers and pulling them to the car park. Like we're here, why? Because we made the declaration and with the declaration comes a responsibility because you're coming to my house. 
And so I began to think about that with the declaration of welcome home and, and our identity, our value of servant leadership is our identity. It made me think about Isaiah chapter 54, verse two. And I love this scripture so much. And it says that enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. See, God is letting the people know here that he is about to expand his house. He's about to do something so great. It's about to get bigger than it's ever been. The bigness it was about to become was how large they made the house. That would determine how many people came in, right? You can only fit what you can fit. And at that time, the way they measured things was called cubits. And cubits, they didn't have fancy measuring things. So cubits basically meant this, a hand width. So what he was letting them know in the measurements later on in Isaiah is we've got to get more hands involved to handle the harvest that's about to come in. We've got to get more hands involved. I'll tell you this church, that our church is only going to expand as much as you're willing to be involved. I'll say that again. Our church is only going to expand to the which you're willing to be involved because it's going to take more hands. And here's the thing is that God tells them, spare not. I'll tell you as a church, this isn't our time to shrink back. This isn't our time to say, well, what's the least I can do? What's the least responsibility I can bring? It's the holiday season. I don't really have time to serve. Let me tell you, when people come to your house in the holiday season, that's the busiest time of the year, right? Because it's welcome home. And I'll say the same is true for our house. The fact that we're heading into the holiday season means more people are about to come into the house. And so it's going to take more hands. Our church will grow to your level of involvement. That's what God's letting them know here. He's saying, hey, I want to do a big harvest. I'm about to do a big thing. But however many hands you get involved will determine how many people come in. Since September 1st, we as a church have seen 150 salvations. 150 salvations. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. You know, I just went over to Christian and Angelica's house. They just had a brand new baby. Um, I think they're in here, Christian and Angelica. They're somewhere. They're, they're out there with their baby. And he's, he's super cute. And I saw them. And you know what's interesting with a baby is it takes like four adults to handle one baby. Have y'all ever noticed that? Like the ratio is really messed up. Because a baby is like really needy and they need all your time and all your focus and all your attention, right? And so I go over to their house and it's like four on one. And everybody, it's all about the baby. And I begin to think about how we've had 150 salvations. You know what that means? Our house is full of 150 babies. And, and with that, that means it's more people to greet, more kids need to be taught the word of God, more cars need to be parked, more people need to be welcomed at the front door. Come on, somebody. I know this is your favorite message right now. Why? Because there, we have more in our house. And we want to take care of the people that are coming into our house. And so with that, uh, the opening scripture that we just read, it talks about two men get given a field. And I want to tell you today in this place that God has given you a field. Well, I don't feel like I have a field. I live in a subdivision. I'm talking about spiritually. You have a field. Okay. You have a field. Congratulations. You are all landowners. Okay. Doesn't that feel good? Like, yes. And so both people get a field. Now I've been reading this because I've been really perplexed because I've realized that God is an equal field giver. But what's interesting is, is what the person does in the field determines everything. 
And and I began to look up in the original translation, what does the word field mean? Was God speaking literally like a little block of land? Was it a large piece of land, small piece of land? Because what I want you to realize is that the Bible, when when we read words in the English translation, it seems really cold. But in the original translation, they use word pictures. And so their, their vocabulary was much more complex than ours. And so that word field had three meanings. I want you to write this down. The first way that he was telling them about the field is it was a place for battle. A place for battle. And I want to tell you that the field is the church. The field is the church. And it is a place of battle. Now, I'm going to give you guys a secret that everything happening in your life right now, it's the devil's main objective is to get you out of the field, which is out of the church. He wants you to stop serving in the field because he knows if he can stop you from serving in the field, he can stop the harvest that you're called to bring. So let me just tell you a secret. Your fight last night with husbands and wives was not about the fight. It was about the field. The medical attack on your life right now isn't about the physical um, ailments that are attacking you right now. It's about getting you out of the field. The things happening with your children, it's not about your children. It's to get you out of the field. I'm always amazed how the devil shows up and starts attacking people in their lives. And the first thing they do is get out of the field. No. See here, I want, you to, I want you to know that the Lord is letting them know here, hey, the field is a place of battle. It's a place of fight. We are not called to an easy give by Christianity. Come on, somebody. God has given us a field. And with that field, we got to be ready to fight. How quick do you bow out from the promises? How quick do you bow out from what God's told you? How quick do you bow out from being in church? Come on, I'm bringing it right where you're at. Here's the thing, the enemy wants to get you out of the field because he knows if he can get you out of the field, he can keep you from reaping the harvest that is only yours. The devil cannot take anything from you, but he can make you surrender it. And you surrender it by getting out of the field. Stay in the field. Don't get out of the field. The next thing that the word field means is a place of sports, which basically meant this. It was a place of discipline. Oh, we love that word. I told y'all, this is an owl word. This is not a wow word. This is an owl word. It's a place of discipline. You know, I was listening to Lewis Howes, and he's a, an Olympian, and he was talking about how every athlete that he ever trained with will tell you that if they consulted with their feelings, they would never have made it to the Olympics. Because your feelings will keep you from discipline. I don't ask myself how I feel. I don't ask myself, I don't ask my emotions if I want to go to church. Because I'm going to be honest, as the pastor of the house, sometimes I don't want to get here early. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Sometimes I'll just tell you as a pastor, sometimes I don't want to read my Bible. I'm being real here. Sometimes as your pastor, I have a hard time praying. I don't want to pray. But it's the discipline. And discipline is this, is making up your mind in advance what you're going to do. It's not leaving your life reactionary, but you're living your life in advance. I've already decided. That's why David, when he was saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's saying before anything happens, I've already got the discipline set up in my life that I've already made up my mind what we're going to do. And we're going to stay in the field. It's a place of discipline. The third place thing that it means is a place for farming. 
a place for farming. And this basically means patience. Oh, I told you it's an L word. You know, I live in the country and um, it's good times. I love the country. And in, in being in the country, there's farmers and uh, there's people out there farming all kinds of stuff. I don't know what they're farming, but man, they're busy on their tractors and stuff. I, I don't understand farm life. And so, but they're always out there. But the one thing I've always noticed, Allie, is that farmers are always by themselves in the field. And the other thing I've always realized is the farmer's not at the grocery store to see the people's satisfaction of getting the lettuce. And they're not there at the Thanksgiving table to see all the memories that are happening. They're by themselves in a field. And they're being patient in the process. And sometimes when you're in the field, when you're called to be in the field, it's going to feel like a really lonely place. Well, nobody even cares that I'm serving in preschool. Nobody even cares that I'm here and I'm pulling the trailer every week. Nobody even cares that I'm out here waving at all these cars. Now, I'll just say that the difference between the disciples and the crowd when you read through the Bible is the disciples were willing to be in the lonely places. The crowd only wanted to be around the spectacular places. But the truth is the disciples saw things that the crowd never saw. And some of us aren't seeing more in God because we're not willing to be in the patient place of the field and being the last one standing when everybody else has left and deciding I'm going to stay the course, even whether or not I ever see the full harvest, I'm still going to be found in the field where God's called me to be. And that's why we're here early pulling in trailers. That's why we're here back there serving in kids when it seems like everybody else has declined the roster. Come on, somebody. That's why we're there opening the front door. It's not about all the things, but it's about us saying, you know what? We've got the patience in the field and I'm going to do the last thing that God called me to do. And there's no insignificant place in the field because if the farmer decided, you know what? This isn't a really glamorous place. No, Nobody's applauding me out here in this field. Where's my crowd? Where's my pictures? Where's my place on the newspaper? And he would bow out. Guess what? There'd be no harvest. There would be nothing there of value. And I'll tell you, your patience in those lonely times in the field has everything to do with the harvest you're going to see. See, both men got a field, but it's what they did in that field that made all the difference. Are you getting something out of this? So I want to give you a few declarations for us people that are in the field, because I'm looking at all of you like you are all presently in the field, like you are all actively serving on Dream Team, like you are all partnered with the vision of Welcome Home, right? Yes, amen. And so the first thing that people in the field declare is, I am responsible. Somebody say it with me. Say, I am responsible. Say it again. I am responsible. See, people in the field, they're not waiting for someone else to do it. Now, just like remember when we talked about in the beginning of people coming over to my house and, and I was the one who was responsible. There was only two people that weren't responsible for what was happening at that dinner. The children and the guests. Part of spiritual maturity is taking responsibility. I'm telling y'all, you love me, right? It's, it's part of that place of spiritual maturity. I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it. I'm going to do it. So I'll say this. People feel as welcomed as you make them feel welcomed. 
our kids are being taught the word of God as much as you are willing to teach them the word of God. Our cars are getting parked and feeling welcome in our parking lot as well as you are parking them and making them feel loved. Why? Because we have a team of people that say we're not waiting for somebody else to do it. We're saying I am responsible. Um, I love this in Luke chapter 10 verse 2 in the Passion Translation. This is so good. It says that the harvest is huge and ripe. This is Jesus speaking. The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to drive out into his harvest fields more workers. And that's what I'm doing today is I'm compelling you to get in the field. I'm telling you in Royce City, we do not have a harvest problem. We have a laborer's problem. I'm telling you in Silver Springs, we don't have a harvest problem. We have a laborer's problem. We don't have an issue with, is there enough people wanting to give their life to Jesus? That's not the issue. I was in Terrell recently and um, I was getting my kids signed into school and we were there and this lady, she goes, wait, you're, you and your husband are the pastors at one church, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, I saw that you guys just launched a campus. I said, yeah, we did. She goes, okay, well, it'll only be a little while and you guys are going to have a Terrell campus, right? And I was like, well, we can, but you know what that means? More laborers are going to have to get in the field. And then recently I got the sweetest email from a lady in commerce. And she said, you know, the fact that you guys launched a Sulphur Springs campus gives me hope because commerce needs a one church. And I'm just believing for the day that we have a one church commerce. I'm saying that to say, we do not have a harvest problem. There is plenty. There are people begging to have what you have every Sunday. But it's how many people that says, I am responsible. If there's a place to go, I'll go. If there's a place to serve, I'll serve. And it doesn't matter if I'm called to serve there. It just matters that I'm willing to serve there. I'm going to tell this story. I wasn't going to, but I'm going to go there. Last Sunday, um, we had a trifecta of awesomeness. And um, Angelica and Christian decided to have a baby, which is amazing. Praise the Lord. Amen. And they, they had a baby. And then in that, we're starting our Sulphur Springs campus. So that means we're sending some of our laborers over there to the Sulphur Springs campus. So we've got all these things going on. And it turned out that we didn't have anybody to teach in kids' church. And so to me, I'm not looking around saying somebody else should do it. I was like, okay, I'm responsible. I'll teach kids. I've never done it before. I didn't have the Lord show up to me in the bathroom on Friday and say, Crystal, you are called to teach kids. I just saw a need and I was willing to fill it. I didn't say it's somebody else's responsibility. I said, I am responsible. And I'm back there and I'm serving kids. And this lady walks in and she's got a donut in her hand and her coffee. And she takes a bite out of her donut and she looks at me and she says, isn't our church kind of big for you to be serving back here? And I was like, no, we're not too big at all for me to serve back here. Or let me rephrase that. I'm not too big to serve back here. I'm not too big to serve back here. And here's the thing is that if we ever catch ourselves getting into a position where it's somebody else's job, we've stopped being the servant leader that God's called us to be. And for me last Sunday, come on, somebody. It wasn't about me serving in kids' church. It's me declaring this is my field. And whether I'm on the platform or in the parking lot or checking in kids or teaching kids, I'm going to serve my place in the field. 
And then I told the kids, I said, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm probably going to mess everything up, but I promise you this one thing, we're going to have a lot of fun today, okay? And we did, and I had kids running up to me today, and they're like, are you going to teach us this week? I'm like, no, I'm not, but maybe next week. And I say that to say, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. If you're too, and at one church, we're not, we're not sitting around saying it's somebody else's job. We're not hoping it'll get better, but we're responding with the abilities that God gave us. And if I can hold a child, I'll hold a child. If I can park a car, I'll park a car. If I can lead a group, I'll lead a group. Whatever it takes to bring in the harvest that God has coming, I am responsible. The second thing is to know your field. We know our field. We know our field. Brian and I, we um, bought some land over a year ago. And when we moved in there, we were just so happy. Like, it was honestly like such a God gift. You know, being raised a girl in the ghetto, I didn't have anything growing up. My mom would go without food at dinner time to make sure my brothers and my sisters um, would have enough. And I remember being there in the checkout line and my mom counting food stamps and having to turn back groceries. Like, I know what that's like. And so when we bought this house, it was a total God gift. And it was one of those gifts that seriously, every morning when I woke up, all I could say was, thank you, Jesus. Like, I would wake up just walking to the coffee pot. Like, I would see something new in my house and go, thank you, Jesus. And I'd walk out on the outside and I'd see a tree that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And so we had eight acres and we knew that, just shy of eight acres. And Brian, you know, he's so friendly. It's annoying. It's so stupid. <laughs> Uh, he makes friends with all the neighbors. Like, seriously, you would think it's me. It's not me. I'm the garage door neighbor. Brian's the type that's like, yeah, you can come in our house. My wife's just in her pajamas drinking coffee. It's no big deal. Come on in. And I'm like, I hate you so much right now. And so he had made friends with one of our neighbors and he was asking him, he's like, hey, if you find out who owns the lot behind us, can you let me know? Because I might be interested in buying it one day if he ever puts it up for sale. And the neighbor was like, yeah, I'll let you know. Well, then he had told it to another neighbor and the neighbor goes, wait, which lot? He goes, oh, you know, the one right behind our property. He goes, before the fence line? And Brian goes, yeah. He goes, Brian, that's, that's your land. And Brian goes, it is? And he said, yeah. He goes, well, I was wondering, Crystal and I couldn't find the surveyor flags. And he said, I figured the guy was just lazy and like didn't put them out, you know? And so we got back there and we were like, oh my gosh. But Brian told our neighbor this and it's just stuck in my heart. Every day since, and he said this, he said, if I would have known it was mine, I would have taken so much better care of it. And it stuck with me as I've been sitting in Proverbs chapter 24, understanding that everybody gets a field. And I think one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to realize the people that were in our field waiting for us to take care of them. We're going to realize that there was kids' lives that we could have impacted. There was a wave to a car going down the street that would have changed their life forever, kept them from committing suicide. Because we've gotten the emails from people. I met a lady at Fun Fest yesterday, and she said, you'll never know what that wave means to me. And it happens because somebody says, I know my field. Matt McCorder is awesome. I love him so much. And he's a firefighter paramedic. And I see him all the time. And he comes in off a 24-hour shift and hasn't gotten any sleep all night. And he's got a smile on his face putting out those flags for you guys to arrive. And, and I said, Matt, I feel so bad you hadn't slept all night. He said, Crystal, this is my church. And what he's saying is, I know my field. I know my field. And I know that this is my place. 
It doesn't matter if it feels comfortable. It doesn't matter if it's easy. This is my place. The third thing, the third declaration that I want us to make is that we're going to stay in our field. We're going to stay in our field. Psalm 92, verse 13 in New King James, it says this, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, remember, I always tell you the same way we read it forward, we can read it backwards. When there's decay in our lives, it's because we've stopped being planted. Here's the thing with all the crazy rain and all the stuff that's happened and and us buying the house that that we're in, we have a big, beautiful oak tree in our backyard. It's huge. It's been there for, I don't even know how long. I mean, it is huge. It's been there. It's older than me and I'm 25, so that's pretty old, right? And, And it's huge. It's beautiful. And here's the thing is that oak tree, when it changed owners, didn't get offended and leave. That oak tree with the harsh weather climate, it didn't get offended and decide I'm going to a new field. It decided I'm going to stay in my field. And it's flourished all these years. I want to tell you right now that God wants you to stay in the field. I don't believe that we will ever see the full fruit that God wants us to see if we're in this church for six months and we're in this church for a year and we're in this church for two weeks. And as soon as they offend me, I'm out, I'm gone. They didn't recognize me. They didn't, come on. No, I'm gonna stay in the field. I'm gonna stay in the place that God has planted me. You know, in the opening scripture, Proverbs 24, I want you to see this. But it says that, put up that first scripture in Proverbs chapter 24. In the first one, it says, put first things first, prepare the work outside and get it ready for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house and establish a home. All right, the next verse in our queue. And it says, but I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And behold, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles were covering its face and its stone wall was broken down two things I want you to see. The person of the lazy man that didn't stay in the field, he didn't have a house. It doesn't say anything about a house. And what we do, church, is we get so busy wanting to build our house that we get out of the field. And the only way to build your house is to stay in the field. When we get out of the field, our house falls down. And that's why when we start getting distracted with all the things, well, I've got to have another job because I got to pay for the car and I'm too busy with all the things that we've got going on in the house. So I'm just going to take a break from the field. But in that, when the field starts to decay, the house is no more. And that's why the scripture says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. See, when you stay in the field, God will build your house. But what's interesting, the second thing I want you to see in the contrast of the two fields is the, the field of the lazy man. It says that there was a fence and it was all grown over. The original word field here is a wide open space without a fence. So the man, instead of working in the field, started building a fence. And so I began to think about how we build fences in our lives. And when when we don't serve the fence, what it would do in the original translation was to keep outsiders from coming in. And every time I say, you know what? It's not my responsibility. I'm not going to stay in the field. I don't really know my field. What we're doing is we're building a fence 
And that fence is keeping more people from hearing the message that changed your life. And in it, we think we're preserving our field. We're preserving our house. And the sad part is they lost the field and they lost the house. And at the end, they had nothing. But the man who stayed in the field, the Bible says, not only was his house built, but it was also established. Can we just pray together as a church family? If you will, just put your hands open just like this, right where you're at, if you're comfortable. And I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Lord, I just declare that you're speaking to every heart. God, you're calling us into your field. Right now, God, I thank you for what you've done in our house. And Lord, I thank you that we've seen so many things. But God, I declare, Lord, I see the harvest that you have coming. And Lord, I know that it's gonna take all of us to do it. So Father, right now, I thank you that you're compelling people for your field. That God, you're showing us, Lord, our place. You're showing us our level of responsibility. God, what are we called to do? Uh, We have hands, Lord, let them serve. We have feet, God, we will go. We have a voice, God, give us a message. God, whatever it is, we're here humbled and serving you, Lord. It's, It's your house and it's your field. Lord, show us our place in Jesus' name. You might be here in the sound of my voice and you say, Crystal, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Friend, the first thing that you need to know is that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That long before you ever breathed your first breath, Jesus served you by going to the cross, giving up his life so that you might come into perfect relationship with him. You might be here and say, Crystal, I've made some mistakes and I've fallen away, but today God's compelling me to get back in relationship with him. Friend, if that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, yes, I'm I'm ready to give my life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're ready to rededicate your life to Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed on the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three, lift your hand in this place. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this as a church family. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take my sins. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you chose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Him today, then you can text Decided to 33733 so we can celebrate with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.